0: Thank you very much. I was sat in my office listening to some CDs, and uh, a song came on written by uh, Laura Martin. I don't know if you know of Laura Martin, wonderful worship leader in her own right. Years ago, she used to lead the worship at Abundant Life in Bradford. And uh, this, this song was going along, but uh, a sentence just really sprung out and hit me. And the words were this What a day to be alive. And I don't know about you. I just don't want to be a Christian where every day is mundane, where I wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night and nothing has really happened in my day. Sack that. I want my, I want my days to be experiencing God in, in a way that is personal to me, but can bless others and corporately can bless us all. Uh, I love, don't get me wrong, uh, I love reading scripture. I love reading of the accounts of things that went on there. I love reading of the miracles that took place, of God being powerful and moving. I love reading books uh, of other people's experiences God. I love watching DVDs of great things going along. But dear God in heaven, I stand before you this morning, determined that my life will not just be a case of reading, watching, and listening. I want to be an experiential bloke experiencing God in my life. That's what wakes me up. You know where I'm at. Where the first thing I say when I wake up in the morning is, thank God I'm alive and I'm breathing. I mean, it's a great start to the day. And then after that, I invite the Holy Spirit. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 10. So what a day to be alive. Two men with nothing actually add everything. Two men with nothing actually add everything. One day, Peter and John, we read there, were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked at him straight, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Look at us. Quite challenging, isn't it? Guy asking, begging and Peter and John look at him and Peter says look at us so the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them then Peter said this silver and gold I do not have but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping. And How do we come into church on a Sunday morning? Do we come in going, oh, another service again? (laughs) Another morning? Same chords on the guitar? Same chords on the keyboard? Or do we come in expecting something of God to take place in our lives? Folks, when there's expectation in our lives, in our faith, there's something begins to buzz within. There's something of a door opens to the manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, and things begin to happen. God has never changed. God is always the same. The Holy Spirit has never changed. The Holy Spirit is the same. Jesus is the same. He has never changed. So what do you think is the mobile facet in the Christian life? It's Mark Hutton it's you. And that's it. You know, when I, when I learned that, if you can call it a secret in my Christian faith, it's opened my eyes to the dynamic of God in a way that I'd never had in the previous decades of my life. It had been good. It had been great. It had been fantastic. But I tell you what, over these past five years, there's something in my life that I want you to experience. I want others to experience because there is nothing on this planet like it. So here we go. Let's go back to to this account. So uh, we read there, when the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And this is the two men who had nothing, but had everything. Verse 6, but what I do have... I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. There was a man called Eddie many years ago, stood in a very large wooden hut by a tram track near Blackpool. This man, Eddie, was a pioneer pastor. He had an heart to see see, uh, uh, churches planted. He had a heart for people to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then this man, Eddie... Looked basically like a skeleton with skin on. He'd been hospitalized previously. He'd been close to death. And thank God for penicillin as well as prayer. But this man survived and found himself in a play, place fulfilling his heart's desire to see a church planted in this area close to Blackpool. He stood there one night during the week preaching from this very, very self-same parcel of scripture that I've read to you this morning. And this guy called Eddie, as he gets to this point, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give you. At that very moment in time, his testimony was this, that liquid fire hit his feet, came right the way up through his body, through his arms, through his fingers, through his head, and from that moment on, he started putting on weight, body bulk, And I stand before you today, here, because that man lived. That man was my dad. It's nothing fancy. It was a jolly wooden hut by a tram track near Blackpool. But God is God. And as my dad preached on that Tuesday night to the group of people gathered there, trying to encourage them to get to know Jesus as Lord and Savior in their life, He was hit by the power of God. He wasn't crying out for it. He wasn't asking for it at that time. He was declaring the biblical truth. And the impact of that hit him. And he called it liquid fire. He never experienced anything like that after. But he was healed from that moment on. That must have been like that for this guy. Crippled for so long. Not able to walk, begging each day to eat. And even to clothe himself. But when the power of God touches... Anything can happen. You may be here this morning and you say, Mark, I've got nothing in my life to give in to others. I'm sharing with you this morning. If you come as you are, if you say, God, would you take me as I am and use me? Believe me, as I am standing here before you this morning, he will. The only, The only requisite is that we ask God to use us. It sounds simple, doesn't it? It's because the word of God is simple. It's theologians and scholars so often who want to put all sorts of interpretation on things and on scripture where it's plain in scripture what God can do for it's in our life. Whatever our age, God can take us and can bless us and encourage us. What a day to be alive. Two men who had nothing had everything. What a day to be alive with a packed lunch. Anybody had a packed lunch? They're recorded in John 6, verse 1 to 14. We read of a situation where Jesus had met with 5,000 men and all of the families, and he'd spoken to them and found himself in a place where he was surrounded by thousands of people, and there were his disciples at his side. Now then, out of the blue, suddenly Jesus makes a statement. Try and picture this. Thousands of people, miraculous works taking place. This is Jesus, the one and only Son of God. His disciples, loyal followers at his side. And suddenly Jesus says this. Hey chaps, how we go to feed him? He's there in scripture. Hey chaps, how we go to feed him? At that point, Philip, who was a frozen chosen at that time, loyal man, but there was with him. He started, we read in scripture, it's there, he started to panic. He was having apoplexy. Thousands of people. How on earth are we going to feed these? It would take months of salaries of people. How many bakeries will we need in order to feed these people? Now, I, I actually... In my thought patterns, consider Andrew, who was stood there, bit of a smug monkey, if you ask me, because there was something of acknowledgement of Jesus being the one and only Son of God. There was a confidence in what God can do. And we read there, it's Andrew who says, "Um, there's a lad here with a a packed lunch. Jesus is saying, are we going to feed them? Philip thinks the impossible is impossible. But then there's Andrew who perks up knowing what God can do. Having seen and experienced, as had Philip, the miraculous works of Jesus. And he says there's a lad here with a pat lunch. Five loaves, two fish. I hope the fish were cooked. And Jesus took five loaves and two fish. He fed 5,000 men, the wives and families, and there was loads left over. What a day to be alive with a packed lunch. What have you got today that you can serve God with? You may say, Mark, I've got some computer skills, give it to God. Mark, I'm good at making sultana scones. Why not make some sultana scones and put some coffee on and invite a few friends around? Don't break them when they come through the door saying, I've invited you to come and have scones and tea with me because I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Let them come. And feel the atmosphere in your homes. Do you invite the Holy Spirit into your homes regularly? Do you know what it's like to know the peace of God in your life? Have you experienced that? If not, may I suggest you open the front door today. Welcome the Holy Spirit in. Go through every room in the house. Pronounce the blessing of God about it. And then come down, open the back door and say anything not of God. Get out now. And it will go. Folks, this is what. The Christian life should be all about I've got total respect for all traditional aspects of the Christian life I love a bit of liturgy myself but the reality is we've got to go one step further we are called to be men and women of God we're called to be taking God to be God otherwise what's the point of worshiping if we don't believe is real today this is what it's all about. It's an awakening. And this is what's been happening to me, particularly over five years. Thirdly, what a day to be alive to have faith for a miracle to take place. What a day to be alive to have faith for a miracle to take place. We're reading 2 Kings 5, verse 1 to 15. Of a little girl, seemingly so insignificant, her name isn't even mentioned in Scripture. She is a nameless child. But this slave nameless child lived in the house of a man called Naaman, who was the commander of of this army of Aram. This was the army that had, had taken people captive, including this little girl. Now then, Naaman was unique in that he had a really gross skin condition. It says in King James Version, this man had leprosy. I think that actually is a generic term because leprous people would have been kept completely separate. But it could have been a really bad psoriasis condition. Whatever. His face looked like a pizza with extra cheese on it. Okay? Start to visualize this. It was not a picture. It was not a revelation of beauty. But Naaman was was a very important guy. This little girlie, living in the same house, said to her boss, which was Naaman's wife, there's a prophet. If Naaman goes and visits him, I believe he will be healed. Let's try and imagine that this morning. A, she's a slave. B, she's a little girly. We read that in scripture. She's in the home of a very powerful man who at one word could put her to death. That was was it. But because of her faith in God, she was willing to open her mouth and believe a miracle could take place. So we read there that Naaman set off his, his king and also the other opposing king of Israel that agreed that he could go and visit Elijah. Powerful man approaches the home of Elijah, the prophet, and is met by a servant of Elijah who said, um, Elijah hasn't got the time to see you. Start to imagine, picture this, the whole emotions getting on here. This guy has trogged a fair distance, arrives at Elisha's home, servant comes out and says, Elisha hasn't got time to see you, but he says, go and throw yourself in the River Jordan seven times. You know, sometimes when we read scripture, we, we, we read through it dead quick and it doesn't sink in. Just begin to feel the emotions of that time. Was the red going to be chopped off in one fell swoop? Never mind the servant of Elisha. But no. Naaman had a right strop on. He goes, blow this malarkey and back. And his two servants said to him, look, 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 look. We've come so far. Why don't we just take that extra step? So Naaman goes and throws himself in the River Jordan. Not a very pretty river anyway. It's not the best in the world. And he goes down once, comes up, still, cheesy pizza face. Goes down a second time, third time, comes up the seventh time, and his skin is pure and healed. What must it have been like when Naaman arrived back home? Not only for his wife having a handsome bloke once again, But also for this little slave girl who'd had the bottle to open her mouth and say, I believe God can work a miracle for you. Folks of Alive Windham this morning, our nation needs people at this time. Willing not to shout about it. Willing not to blow it on a megaphone. But quietly to say to people, I will pray about that situation for you. I believe in God and I believe he can help you. If we can start by doing that, I will guarantee the miraculous works will follow. Fourthly, what a day to be alive, to take on a giant, whatever form that giant may take. And not only take the giant on, but win. We're reading 1 Samuel 17 verse 1 to 58, the whole account of David and Goliath. We read there in verse 17, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill, the Israelites the other, and the valley was between them. And we read there that this champion uh, called Goliath of the Philistines for 40 days on the trot, appeared in the morning and shouted at the Israelites and said, Come on, you lot of morons, or words to that effect. Come and fight me. Come and f- look, I'm standing here on my own. You're a jolly army. Come on, get up. Come on, come on. And he goaded them, irritated them. And you know, the Israelite army just stayed in the tents, maybe, kept on having the bread and water or whatever rations they were on at the time. And put up with it. Now, then, the story goes this: there was three lads in the Israel Israelite army at that time, and uh, these three lads they had had a a brother, teenager, who was at home looking after the sheep. Because that's the place where teenagers shouldn't. It's not, is it? Teenagers shouldn't look after sheep. Anyway, so the fact about is, he was at home looking after the sheep, and his dad said, "Hey, take some pack up for your brothers." So he set off, and he came into this war zone. Begin to try and picture it. Read it today. Fascinating. Particularly as you start to visualize it and try and get hang- handle of it. Thousands of soldiers on one side, one hill. Thousands on the other and another hill. Valley in between. Big bloke called Goliath, obviously with a big mouth, shouted every day, come on you morons, I'll take you on. And nobody rose to it. But a lad, a teenager came up no, it doesn't, you don't read it. he was cocky. He was just a normal shepherd boy. Just waltzes in to bring food for his brothers and said, what's going on here? And he said, oh, oh, uh, we, we need to take the, the Philistines on and, and conquer them. So you can imagine the story, can't you? Younger brother to older brother saying, oh, why don't you do it? Come on, muscle man. Get out of there. Sort him out. No, oh, he's big. He's big. He's big. And the, story, the account goes that he ends up in front of King Saul. And so, said, what, what do you want to say? He said, well, I, I believe in the name of the Lord, this Philistine can be sorted and the Philistines. What? Put yourself in that king's position. This is a teenage lad, shepherd boy, brought some pack up for his brothers. He's telling the king, I believe that God, I believe that God, can I say that again? I believe that God can sort this Philistine out And the rest of them. Something of a dynamic of God, the Holy Spirit, must have happened at that time. Because we read that Saul, all of a sudden, decides he wants to dress this teenager up in armor. But the sad thing was for Saul, the armor was too heavy. David was really brassed off about this. Forgive the pun, because probably it was brass anyway. And and said, no, 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 no. No, no i brought my weapon. Now, this wasn't some super, super bazooka, all-killing, inferno, blasting gun or anything like that. No, it was a piece of leather with two, two bits of string on it called a sling. And in his hands, he had five stones. Can I just say this morning, so often in life, we underestimate what God can do with what we feel is insignificant and little. David said, look, I've taken on a bear, I've taken on a lion, easy peasy, e no problem. So he went, stood in front of this giant who took the mick out of him and then David took a stone, put it in his sling, fired it straight in the middle of his head, bang, dead. What is your giant in life this morning? Is your giant in life unemployment? Is your giant in life situations in relationships, situations in your workplace? What is your giant this morning? Because I declare in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, your giant can be overthrown. And you can be more than conquerors. The very self-same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you, dwells within me. Let me just say that again. The very self-same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you as it dwells in me. Are we metaphorically taking a wet kipper in our hands this morning and slapping it in the face of God and saying, I don't believe? Or is it just possible here on the 4th of August 2019 in this fabulous town of Wyndham with a great group of people called Alive Wyndham that we can take one more step in our life and say, God, in the name of Jesus, we're going to take this. We are never too old to serve God. We are never too academically untrained to serve God. We are never in the place where we're not healthy enough to save, serve God. We're never in the place where we haven't got the strength we feel to serve God. We just need to be in the place of saying, God, use me. He will. Hands down he will. So that's the story with David and Goliath, isn't it? What a day to be alive, to take on a giant and sort it out. I love that story so much. You can pull so much out of it. Fifthly this morning, what a day to be alive to hear God speak to you. What a day to be alive to hear God speak to you. Recorded in 1 Samuel 3 verse 1 to 21. We read there of a youngster called Samuel. He he was a temple lad. His mother gave him into the service of the temple at the time. And there we read that he served the the priest, Eli. He was was a good lad, well behaved, polished the brasses and did everything else that he wanted to do. One day he went to bed. And just as he's going over to sleep, he heard a voice. What? What's that? We're detached here. We're not terrorists to semi. The walls aren't thin. We can't hear next door. What was that? So he gets out of bed, goes to Eli, and says, Eli, sorry to wake you up, but I can hear somebody speaking to me. And Eli, can you just imagine, you just go, go back to bed, lad, go back to bed. So he goes back to bed. And this happens a, a, a few times, until we don't read whether Eli was a bit brassed off and wanted to go to sleep. But he did say to this young lad, Samuel, he said, next time you hear that, say, speak, Lord, for your servant's ears. Speak, Lord, for your servant ears. So he did. And God spoke to him. A message for the nation at the time. Then, I know when people say the ear voices and things like that, we can turn off. But for the past five years in my life, I'm experiencing things of a dynamic. I can be very vulnerable and open with you this morning. It was over five years ago now that I asked the Holy Spirit to to be with me and to be active in my life. Not only on a Sunday when I'm with lovely Christians. Not only when it's during the week at a connect group with lovely Christians. But out and about in the shops and and all the things in in the work I do in pharmacy and, and in community. And I tell you, from that time, I could write about six books already of, of stuff that I am experiencing. Suicidal people who are alive today and going on with Jesus because I connected with them. Want to cast the spirit of death out of this blow Instantly, It felt different. People with financial needs in, in their life. People with relational needs in their life. And so often for me, I I see pictures. See pictures over people's heads. Sounds a bit wacky, doesn't it? You know, if I was listening to that, I think, barmy army. But I can say that because it's me who's experiencing it. And it's me that sees it. It's me that, that sees the things that go on in lives that are nothing to do with me. I'm just a normal bloke cut me a bleed. There's nothing special about me. But I'm willing, I'm saying, God, I'll I'll make myself vulnerable. Please would you use me? This past week, let's go on with this past week. Okay. Um, This is live stuff. Lady came into a pharmacy. She's a local florist. She brings in a a mobile phone. She says, oh, uh, can I have a word with the pharmacist? So I goes out and she shows me this picture of, of two children. Then all that I'm seen is is a picture of a face on a mobile phone. Two kids, and I look at them. And she said, "Oh, they've got chicken pots. She said, "Is there anything that could ease them?" I said, "You've got to put those kids in your car instantly and take them to hospital." And then this lady, three days before, she'd been to a doctor's. She'd been given antibiotics and cow and stuff. But I looked at two pictures. Right, there's no experience. Professionally, professionally, there's no criteria for me. To put anything else to this lady and say, oh, yeah, let's, let's get some gel and, and soothe it down. No, no. I, I was, I was pr- pushed, right, to say to this lady, get those kids in your car, take them off to hospital. Do you know, she came in in the afternoon. She, she put the kids with a with daughter in a car, took her to A&E. She was admitted into hospital straight away. Not only did they have very high temperatures, but they were very concerned that it could cause nerve damage in the face. I was just looking at two pictures. I probably told you the story about the guy that came and had been stung by a wasp. Have I told you that story, that I experienced. That was incredible at the time. He flatlined twice in A&E, and they had to bring him back to life. That guy's alive today because of a nudge I had of the Holy Spirit. This is something else, right? We, 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 we've got a property where the tenants have moved out, so it needs cleaning through. So you normally get a cleaning company or something like that to come in and clean it through, right? Boom! In my head comes the name of a person, they don't clean. It's not their job. They do something else completely different. I said to Hazel, I, I really feel I should share with this person that we, the money that we'd spend for cleaning a house, uh, would they be interested in, in that? This is a not yet Christian, okay? Person that doesn't know Jesus, Like, but it was a name, came to my head, knew the person. How do you approach that? How'd you go up and say, I, I really feel that God's telling me that you're skint at this time, but I could help you out? I've got some work. Would you like the work? And I'll, I'll pay you at a good rate for, for doing it. I can't do that. But what I could do, I went to this person and said, Oh, one of our houses needs a, a thorough clean through. And I was just wondering, do, do you know anybody who could do that? Her face lit up. She said, I could do that. She said, That was her. And do you know, I've got a text on, on my phone thanking me and hazel for giving that job and this is from a not yet christian she said to me mark that was a real godsend hey this is stuff that's going on with me i met an elderly lady this this week and uh, she she was beside herself feeling lonely feeling isolated wondering what on earth was going on in life I spent five minutes with that lady, just signposting her some places where she could find help. Nothing to do with church, but signposting where she could go for effective help. This is what I'm talking about today, folks. It's it's nothing where I'm opening my scripture and quoting John 3.16 or or turning over and preaching something else. No, no, I'm out living life normally, but asking the Holy Spirit, please, would you just come and use me? Would you touch my life and help me to be a blessing, to be somewhere else? What a day to be alive and to hear God speak to you. I, I am, I'm, daily, I'm experiencing something of this dynamic where clearly God speaks and brings direction. It's not a vocal voice. I've only heard a vocal voice three times in my life. So it's not a vocal voice, but you just sense this, this in, in your spirit of God speaking into your life what about this then number six what a day to be alive for financial provision For financial provision if you have a financial need i stand before you this morning and say god can meet your need look jesus was by the seaside won't blackpool or skegness is by galilee and uh, we read there that peter came along and he said look it's time to pay the tax And we haven't got the money. What can we do about that, Jesus? Well, we know Jesus could do anything at any time, at any place. But he said to Peter, go catch a fish, open its mouth, and the before drachma inside to pay the tax. Now, we can read that. I read it loads of times. And just breeze over it. But the significance of that was, A, he didn't go to the bank or to the post office in Galilee. He had to go and catch a fish. And then not only that, open its mouth and there'd be the four drachma in its mouth to pay the tax. What would you feel if you was Peter at the time? Excitement? Despair? Don't think I can do that. But you see, Peter took the words of Jesus at face value and did it. And found the drachma inside let's bring that into a live life situation i may have told you this before but may have not nearly two years ago now hazel and me we had a major financial sudden need come into our lives and i started praying about it and asking god petitioning isn't even the word i was on the point of begging god for help because the deadline was drawing near when this bill had to be paid there I was driving along the A15 from Lincoln to Hull. And I turned the radio off so I could have a serious chat with God. Points I was shouting. Begging, pleading. I was really hacked off. We're allowed to be that as Christians. Honest with God, it's being called. And I can tell you the point on the A15... Just at the turn off for curtain, and Lindsay, where all that I can describe is an intense peace filled my car. It was, it was physical, tangible. Nothing about me, nothing about the car. It's a Citroen Picasso standard type. But the peace of God actually filled a Citroen Picasso. And this is what I sensed in my spirit God was saying. I've already provided for you. Now then, that was red rag to a bull. When I felt God was saying that to me, that severely hacked me off. I don't swear, but believe me, I can shout. Fat lot of use, that is. You've already provided. Well, where where is it? Where the heck is it? Come on, where, where is it? So uh, I travelled home like this, you see, and all of a sudden, in this oasis of peace in a Citroen Picasso on the A15, me having an argy-bargy shouting at God, even not responding to me, I suddenly remembered, suddenly, suddenly remembered there was two shoeboxes in our wardrobe at home. Then don't you think that's a bit odd in a Citroen Picasso on the A15 to remember two shoeboxes? Then these shoeboxes contain trinkets and jewelry left to Hazel and me by our parents who have passed away. And some other bits and bobs. I'm confused now. Asking God for help financially. Ripping to God. And I did. I apologize later, just in case you think I need counsel. Thought of two shoeboxes in a wardrobe at home. What on earth is that all about? So I arrive home in Saxelby, going through the front door, and Hazel said to me, hey, look what's just been put through the door. And there's an A5 piece of paper. It starts at the top, unique auctions. We will come to your house and value jewelry and things like this and we will sell them at auction for you. This guy called Terry, I remember his name because he was significant to us at that point in our life. We had a need, and Terry, although he didn't know it, was a complete god. Terry came, Hazel, Hazel was brilliant. She, <laughs> she took these two shoe boxes of jewelry and trinkers, and she set them out like a shop window on our dining room table. And this Terry guy came and went through everything. He said, yeah, we can sell those at auction for you. As I am standing before you this morning, those two shoeboxes of stuff that hadn't even been looked at in years, we could not use, we would not use, had been left by our parents to us. They went to unique auctions at Highcombe in Lincoln. They were sold, right? The total amount of the bill... Was raised plus 30 pounds. We went to Woodcocks and had a 30 pound meal to celebrate. (laughs) This is what it's all about. The same God that can put coins in the mouth of a fish is the same God that can remind me that He has provided for me. It was in two jolly shoeboxes in our wardrobe. But a man called Terry, even though he's not yet a Christian, please God, he's going to be one day. Was his answer to our need. Folks, if you're in a place this morning where you need something, what a day to be alive! Forget about Lloyd's, forget about Barclays, Nat West, or whoever else is going on. We serve a God who can serve us with the impossible because he is God. And if we can begin to express our Christian life, begin to live it out, Sundays are going to be a revelation. We're going to be queuing up at the door wanting to get in. We're going to see people in Wyndham queuing because they're desperate to get in, to see God at work in the life. they accounts, divert testimonies of what God is doing in the life of this person, that person, and it will grow and it will mushroom. Do you want to be a part of that? I'm desperate to be a daily part of that. Until my dying breath, I want people to know about Jesus. Seventhly, what a day to be alive. the insignificance to become great we read in 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1 to 7 of a widow who absolutely had nothing to her name all that she had in the house when she spoke with Elijah the prophet was I've got a small vessel with some oil now then I don't want a show of hands please but is it just possible that in our homes today, we've got more than a small, a small vessel with oil in it? It's in our house. We even have spray fat for the frying pan, never mind. You know. But this lady said, I, I've got nothing to make. And Elijah said, look, what, what have you got? She said, I've got a small pot with oil in it. Elijah said to her, go and get as many pots and pans as you can and bring them to you. Out. She she sent her lads out. Go to the neighbours. What well, if God said to you, go and knock on the neighbours and say, Have you got any thermos flasks or have you got any spare pans, please? Can I borrow them? I'm filling my house with pans because God's going to fill them with oil that I'm going to sell. But this lady was obedient. And she took that little pot of oil and she started to pour it into the next container. And it filled right up. Then she moved to the next. And then she moved to the next. And then she moved to the next. Till everywhere. And she's saying, Look, they're, they're overfilling. We're not in, we can't contain this. And then she was told, use that oil, pay for all your bills, and then use the rest for yourself. In society today, there are too many people with a low esteem about themselves. I meet too many kids and young people whose parents and teachers have told them that they're rubbish, that they'll never make anything in life. I meet people in the workplace who are bullied by the managers. I don't know how they get away with it so often. Tell them that they're absolutely rubbish, they'll never achieve, they'll never. There's a bloke called Mark Hutton goes in I remember one girl, I went in a pharmacy to work one Saturday, and there was a, what we call a Saturday girl there. She was a sixth former from a school. And uh, tea break, she, she said, how, how would you like your, your drink? So I said, could I have a coffee, milk, no sugar, please. And she went straight upstairs, made me a coffee. No ifs, buts, whatever, made me, brought it down. So I said, what's your name? So she told me your name. So I said, uh, what, what are you doing here? So she said, I'm just trying to make a bit of money. She said, uh, I I failed my my A-levels. So I said, I'm really sorry to hear that, but what are you doing about it? She said, well, I can't can't go back to retake them. She said, just just can't afford that. So she said, I'm going to study myself this year and and get through. Now then, was this just my mindset or was it a nudge of the Holy Spirit to me? I said, I'll have a chat with you at lunchtime. So at lunchtime, I sat down for 10 minutes with this girl. I said, look, what, what, what do you want to do? She said, uh, well, she said, I really want to go to university. She said, that's my, my ambition, to go to university. I think it was design or something like that she, she wanted to do. So I so, said, right, okay, find, go back to your school, find out how they can help you in any way. I know you can't go back and do another year because of finance and stuff like this, but you go back and ask how they can help you. She said, but what I would do, I said I'd also contact the local university and see if there's any final year students doing the material that you're looking to do, and see if they could help you. So i leave that, go away. I'm there two weeks later, this girl beeline for me. Mark, Mark. So I said, yeah. She said, "Uh, I I did what you said. I went back to the school, and they said that they could give me materials that I could practice exams on, even though I'm not part of it. And also they could advise me on my books. And they got some second-hand books that they could let me have at no charge so she said I'm, I'm able to get onto that she said and i contacted the university and i spoke to a department there that deals with all all this design and and they said that it was okay for me to speak to a student and more than that they got a student to contact me so i said oh that's great she said it was a really nice nice young lady she said we met at costa so i said that's wonderful she said yeah and she's going to help me now then within a year this young girl had taken her levels and passed now in university You see, I'm not going there and preaching about healing, deliverance. or this is the day to know Jesus. That's coming in the pipeline. But that young lady was nowhere, going nowhere, in despair. And a bloke called Mark Hutton, one Saturday morning, was it an accident? Was it a coincidence? Was it an answer to prayer or was it a divine work of God at that time? I'll leave you to answer. But I do know there's a young lady now, has done her A-levels and now at university, And experiencing what she really wants to do in life. You are not insignificant. If you feel insignificant, in the mighty name of Jesus, i break that off your life right now. Whatever bad words have been put in your life, whatever input has been put in your life about you being useless... Sack of rubbish or whatever. That is not God's intention for your life. You are precious. I tell you, you are valued with the very life of Jesus. There's no higher value, no higher value than that that exists. And by being valued with the life of Jesus, I can declare in full and certain faith and truth that every one of us are equal in the eyes of God. Why? Because we are all valued with the life of Christ. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Are you willing today to press the button? Are you willing today to say, look, I really believe God can do something in my life? Closing words. God can do anything. Anytime. place here in Wyndham. He has a conduit, a channel, a vibrant, active connection into this community, this town, this region. It's called Alive Windom. It's called the body of Christ who formed that part. One of my favorite films, you might have seen it, includes a phrase if you build it, they will come. I made mean, a state into your life this morning. You are precious. You are precious. You are valued more than your wildest dreams. God is wanting you to serve him.